Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Today's program is brought to you by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis at support.greatdetectives.net, or you can also become one of our ongoing monthly Patreon supporters and support the show every month with a donation of $2 or more, and you can do that at patreon.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it's time for today's episode of Richard Diamond. This one is the Farmer Evans murder case, and the original air date is August the 23rd of 1950. Listen while the makers of Rexall drug products and 10,000 independent Rexall family druggists bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. This is your Rexall family druggist, speaking to you for the 10,000 independent druggists who have made the word Rexall part of our own store names, and who recommend and sell the 2,000 or more drug products made by the Rexall Drug Company. Like Rexall MI-31, for example. Rexall's popular and versatile mouthwash, gargle, and breath deodorant. Full-strength MI-31 kills contacted germs almost instantly, yet will not harm delicate membranes of the mouth and throat. Yes, for a dependable, refreshing mouthwash, remember Rexall MI-31. And remember also, you can depend on any drug product that bears the name Rexall. Good health to all from Rexall. Now your Rexall family druggist brings you a transcribed half hour with Richard Diamond, private detective, starring Dick Powell. Diamond Detective Agency, we never say die. Mr. Diamond? That's right. How would you like to make $1,200? Do I have to name the mystery melody? This is not a quiz show, Mr. Diamond. I have a proposition for you, a business arrangement by which you may profit to the tune of $1,200. Oh, well, that's my favorite tune. My name is Evans, Dr. William Evans. I have an office in the Grant Professional Building, Suite 409. Grant Professional Building, Suite 409. Yes, I, uh, I'd appreciate it if you would come right over. Well, it's after six now. I I'll don't... stay in my office until you get here. And so as to save time with explanations. On your way over, pick up a late afternoon times and read the article on page three, column two. A story about a man called Farmer. I locked the office, went downstairs and out on the street where I purchased the late afternoon times. And in the cab, headed for Dr. Evans's office, I read the article on page three, column two. George Farmer burns to death, and the picture of the deceased. According to the article, Farmer had been on a vacation in the North Woods. He'd gone to sleep smoking a cigarette, and that was that. 
mattress caught fire before anyone noticed. The whole cabin was burning. My cab let me out in front of Dr. Evans's building and one look at the large crowd, plus the very familiar black sedan and the passenger loading zone, tied my stomach in a knot. All right, now, get back, you. You? Evening, Sergeant Otis. Lieutenant, what are you yelling about, Mellonhead? Oh. Evening, Lieutenant Levinson. Oh, no. I hope you were just passing by, Mr. Don. I saw the crowd, Lieutenant Levinson, and came over to find out if you and Otis were playing hopscotch or possibly kick the can. This is a swell time to make with the jokes. Some guy took a dive out of the fourth floor window. Fourth floor? Dead? Very. Name was Evans. Had offices in the building. Dr. William Evans. Guy named Evans. Offices on the fourth floor. Doctor. Some guy. Just 20 minutes before, he'd called me with a $1,200 proposition. And now it looked like the only thing I was going to get out of the deal was a late afternoon paper and a story about a guy named Farmer. Farmer? Burned to death and bad? Oh, yeah. We got a report on the case. Well, this Dr. Evans was hooked up with it in some way. He offered you $1,200? He asked me if I was interested. <laughs> Silly boy. There's the doctor's office. And, uh... There's the window he went out of. Who saw him jump? Bill Mitchell, cop on the beat, saw the body come out of the window feet first. Said at least it looked like he jumped. No sign of a struggle? I'll have the boys give the room a good going over. Well, we're pretty sure of two things, Walt. First, there's a strong possibility that Dr. Evans didn't commit suicide. Also, that he knew something about George Farmer, the guy who got burned to death. Might have been Farmer's doctor. Well, there's one way to find out. This uh, Times article says that Farmer left a widow. While you're checking things here, I think I'll go see what Mrs. Farmer's views are on dead husbands and dead doctors. Yes? Mrs. Farmer? Yes, what is it? I'd like to talk to you about your late husband. Are you from the police again? Well, I just left them, but this is my own idea. My name's Diamond. I'm a private detective. Oh? You working for the insurance company? No. Well, then just what do you want? I'm tired of questions about my husband's death. I've told the police and insurance company everything I know. Well, I know it's been difficult, but I won't take long, and there are a few things I, I'd really like to find out. Well, what are they? Do you know a Dr. Evans? Dr. Evans? No. No, I don't know any Dr. Evans. Your husband never mentioned him, said he knew him? No, he didn't. Besides, what has this doctor to do with my husband? Well, I don't know yet. You mentioned an insurance company. Was your husband insured, Mrs. Farmer? Yes, with the National Mutual. But if you're not working for the insurance company or the police, who are you working for? Me. You? Look, would you mind telling me what possible interest you could have in the death of my husband? To tell you the truth, I really don't know. But there are $1,200 mixed up in it somewhere, and that's enough to keep me well interested until I find some answers. Thank you, Mrs. Farmer. Hello, Walt. Hello, Rick. You see the wife? Yeah, lovely girl. I hope you'd like to bring home to Mom. You find out anything? Nothing in the room to indicate the doctor was pushed out of the window. Mrs. Farmer didn't know the doctor. Said her late husband didn't either. But uh, she thought at first I was from an insurance company. Well, what company? Oh, a national mutual. Otis. Yeah, Lieutenant. Got the names of the officials in National Mutual? Yeah. Bring them in. Right. Why all the action? We checked with the dead doctor's nurse. 
She said aside from his regular practice, he worked for two or three big insurance firms. National Mutual was one of them. I didn't think of a connection then, but I made the check just in case. Well, George Farmer was burned to death. Dr. Evans knew something about Farmer. Farmer was insured with the National Mutual, and the doctor worked for National Mutual. Might be a tie-up. Well, the vice president of National Mutual is Arthur Peterson. It's not too late. Let's take a run over to his house and see if he knows anything about it. Well, gentlemen, in answer to your questions, yes, we did insure the late George Farmer, and Dr. Evans does work for us. As to whether or not he was the doctor who examined Farmer, I really couldn't say. I'd have to check the files. Lieutenant, aren't you satisfied? You think there's something wrong? We don't know. Dr. Evans jumped or was pushed out of his office window this evening. Good Lord. He called Mr. Diamond here and indicated he knew something about Farmer's death. Have you settled the claim with Mrs. Farmer yet? No, but it's to be settled within the week. $25,000 policy. Hmm. If someone could show your company that Farmer's death was no accident, there'd be a reward, wouldn't there? Yes. Ten percent of the policy. In this case, twenty-five hundred. Oh, half of that'd be about twelve hundred. You uh, think we could look at your records tonight, Mr. Peterson? It's uh, very important. I, of course. I'll just get a coat and we'll go right down to the office. We left with Mr. Peterson and headed for the offices of the National Mutual. A quick look through the file showed us what we wanted. A full report on the state of George Farmer's health. Okayed for insurance by the examining physician, Dr. William Evans. Too bad the first claim on an accident policy has to be a death. Well, that ties that up. Now what have we got? Enough to keep on looking. I think I'll go have a long talk with Farmer's wife. Our company detectives checked that. She was right here in the city when her husband died. Well, a little talk won't hurt. Who sold Farmer the policy, Mr. Peterson? Um... Well, um, according to the files, the insurance man was Martin Ames. You have his address here? Yes. Here you are. Good man. One of our leading salesmen. While you're talking with Mrs. Farmer, Walt, I think I'll run over and see this man Ames. Maybe he can do us some good. If the late Dr. Evans hadn't offered me $1,200, I would have okayed his four-floor dive as an act of suicide. But the way things were shaping up, he was going to split an insurance reward. And knowing doctors to be pretty practical people, I just couldn't imagine him giving up that kind of money for a fast trip to the sidewalk. The home of Martin Ames was an apartment on the Lower East Side. His wife answered the door. No, my husband isn't here. I was just leaving. Uh, you know where I can find your husband, Mrs. Ames? It's rather important. I don't know what you want, but if you want to see my husband, that's where I'm going now. He's got a call. He's had an automobile accident. <laughs> Mrs. Ames, I was told my husband. Oh, yes, Mrs. Ames. If you'll just have a seat, I'll call Dr. Tully. He's in charge of your husband's case. But I want to see my husband. Can I see him? You'll have to see Dr. Tully first. But I want to know how serious it is. I should be with my husband if, if you will just be patient for a moment, Mrs. Ames. I'll get Dr. Tully. Come on, Mrs. Ames. Let's sit down over here. Now, just sit down right over here and try and relax. Dr. Tully, third floor right. reception room, please. Uh, uh, hello, Walt. Dr. Tully. No, this is a police officer, Ms. Ames. Police officer? He's a friend of mine, Ms. Ames. Nothing about my husband. 
Dr. Tully's the man you want to see. Uh, can I talk with you, Rick? Oh, sure. Will you excuse me, Miranda? Oh, yes, of course. You'll be all right? I'll, I'll be all right. Okay, well. Well, this far enough. About her husband? Yeah, I was questioning Mrs. Farmer when I got the call over the hot shot. I remembered, so I figured you'd wind up here. Have you heard how he is? Died five minutes ago. Oh, no. Accident? Hit and run. Before he died, he told us a car ran him off the road. Went down a 20-foot embankment and right into a cement retaining wall. The wall stopped him from going any further, but broke his neck. Any lead on the other car? No, lonely stretch of road. No one else saw it. It happened too fast for Ames. Now, wait a minute. That must be Dr. Tully going over to Mrs. Ames now. Yeah, Mrs. that's Ames, Tully. I'm afraid that... He I'm did everything he could. I don't envy him. Your husband is dead. Oh, no. Mrs. Ames. Oh, dear Mrs. Ames, please control yourself, Mrs. Ames. Come on, Walt. This is turning into a rotten case. <laughs> Before we continue with the adventures of Richard Diamond, private detective, here's your Rexall family druggist. I often think that perhaps the most common under-the-weather complaint in the average family is either acid stomach or plain old sluggishness. Well, you certainly hit the nail on the head as far as my family is concerned. And I'm also sure that's why there are literally millions of bottles of Rexall milk of magnesia on hand right now in family medicine cabinets. Why, that sounds almost unbelievable. No, ma'am. Not when you know that Rexall milk of magnesia is both a quick-acting antacid and a thoroughly effective yet gentle laxative. What's more, Rexall milk of magnesia has none of that unpleasant, earthy, gritty taste. Say, my family would really appreciate that. Then why not let them see for themselves just how creamy smooth and actually pleasant-tasting Rexall milk of magnesia really is? Ask for it at Rexall drugstores everywhere. And remember, you can depend on any drug product that bears the name Rexall. And now back to tonight's adventure with Richard Diamond, private detective, starring Dick Powell. A little after six, I got a phone call, and by 6.30, the man who called was lying on a sidewalk, broken in two from a four-story drop. Two hours later, an insurance salesman named Ames was run off the road and ended up with a broken neck. Coincidence? Not a bit. Walt found the location of the place where George Farmer had burned to death. Then we climbed in the squad car and started the long drive for the Catskill. Around 7 in the morning, we turned off the main highway and onto a dirt road. A sign reading, Sportsman's Retreat, two miles, pointed the way. And 20 minutes later, we were pulling up in front of the lodge. Morning. Morning. Welcome to Sportsman's Retreat. Morning. <laughs> Police car, ain't it? I'm Lieutenant Levinson, 5th Bracing, New York Police. This is Mr. Diamond. Oh, howdy, howdy. Oh, yeah. Are you up here about Mr. Farmer's death? Unofficially. You run the place? Yeah, yeah, I'm the foreman. My name's Pop, Pop Sloan, but everybody just called me Pop. We thought we'd stay a while, Pop. Can you put us up? Well, sure, sure. How long you figured on being around? Oh, not long. We only brought one change of clothes. Well, come on in. Breakfast was an hour ago, but if you're hungry, I can have the cook rustle up some bacon and eggs. Oh, sounds good. Many people staying here, Pop? Oh, about 14. Yeah, 14. Same crowd comes up every year. Sort of a club, you might call it. Uh, 
Uh, how many years did George Farmer come up? Oh, Mr. Farmer come up about, uh, oh, for the last ten years. Hey, who owns the place? Mr. Phillips. He ain't here now, but he phoned and says he'll be in sometime this afternoon. Say, how come you fellas are interested in Mr. Farmer's death? We had the police and the insurance up here for three days. You're a little late, ain't you? Well, uh, there are a few things we haven't cleared up. Sure appreciate some help, Bob. Yes, yeah, yeah, sure. I'll give you all the help I can. I'll go get some breakfast for you, and then we can gabble a little while. Hmm? Pop went back to the kitchen, and we relaxed in a couple of big leather chairs in front of a large window that looked out on a row of cabins. That last cabin must have been farmers. Yeah, nothing much left of it. <sighs> it's beautiful up here. Look at those trees with the sun shining through them. Your soul is showing, Walt. Oh! It was a beautiful place, all right. The cabin stood in the clearing, fronted by well-kept paths and backed by tall trees. Pop came in a little later with enough bacon and eggs to feed a platoon of tapeworms, and we talked. Where is everybody, Pop? Out fishing. Get up about 4.30 around here. Many of the men bring their wives? Oh, some of them. Mr. Farmer used to bring his one up every year. Fine-looking woman, Mrs. Farmer. Didn't come up this year, though. It's too bad, too. Why? Well, might have saved him. Used to smoke in bed all the time. Maybe if she'd been around here, she might have caught him at it. Um, who discovered the fire? Oh, we all saw it, but it was too late. By the time we got there, the whole place was burning. By the time we got the hose going, there wasn't much left. You say you all saw it. Where were you? Oh, we was up to Willow Peak cooking out. That's about three miles from camp. You can see it from there. See? See that tall peak there to the left of them trees? Yeah. How come Farmer didn't go along? Oh, he never went on many hikes. Had trouble with his legs, you know. Anyone stay here in camp besides Farmer? No, no, no. no. Everybody was up Willow Peak. Mm. Who examined the body? Doc Combs from Evanston come up and looked at the body. Where's Evanston? Mm, about 50 miles east. But if you want to talk to the doc, you'll have to wait till everybody comes in from fishing. Oh, God. Is he up here now? Yeah, yeah. Come up last night. We're going to stay a week for the fishing. Oh, Pop. Oh, oh well, uh, morning, morning, Mr. Phillips. Good morning. I didn't expect you till this afternoon. This, uh, this is Mr. Phillips, the owner. Oh, I have some bags out in the car. Uh, will you get them, please? Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Right, uh, good morning. Yes, yeah, some more police fellas, Mr. Phillips. Oh, uh, about Mr. Farmer's death? Yeah, I've got to clear up a few things. Uh, would you please get those bags for me, Pop? Bags? Oh, <laughs> yes, bags, sure, sure. Uh, we just wanted to ask a couple of questions, Mr. Phillips. I'm Lieutenant Levinson. This is Mr. Dunn. <laughs> well, how do you do? How, how do, do you do? Do? Uh, do you mind if I sit down? Well, not at all. <sighs> I, uh... Thought the authorities were satisfied. No, I guess they are. Uh, where were you when the accident occurred, Mr. Phillips? Oh, uh, I was on my way here from the city. I arrived about an hour later. You live in the city, Mr. Phillips? Well, yes, I have a house there. I divide my time between there and the lodge. Tell me something about Farmer, Mr. Phillips. What kind of a man was he? Well, You I... fellas want any more breakfast? Uh, no, uh, thanks, no, thanks, sir. Oh, all right. Uh, go ahead, Mr. Phillips. <laughs> Good old Farmer. Uh, well, there really isn't much to tell. Farmer was a nice sort of a guy, rather quiet. As you know, he had a very bad habit of smoking in bed. You have any trouble with him smoking in bed before? Oh, yes, yeah, several times. Nearly started a fire two years ago. Well, uh, wouldn't that make you watch him a little more closely? Well, uh, you see, his wife came up with him every year, but this one, she was usually near enough to prevent any trouble. How long did he usually stay here? Whole oh, week, ten days, however long his vacation lasted. Mm-hmm. What was his business? I, I think he was in advertising. Make much money? <laughs> I have no idea. He certainly never spent much. He's tight as the devil. He was known for it, in fact. Coming up here was the only luxury he allowed himself. 
He'd tell everyone he'd save all year just to come up here and relax for a week or two. Hey, Lieutenant, here comes Doc Combs. He must have got his limit. Oh, you gentlemen interested in talking to the doctor? Yeah, Pop tells us he was the one who examined the body. Well, what'd you get, Doc? Hi, Pop, I got my limit. Oh, good for you, good for you. Come on over here. A couple of fellas want to talk to you. Well, how are you, Phil? Uh, hello, Doc. Uh, Pop said you weren't due until this afternoon. Uh-huh. Oh, uh, this is Lieutenant Levinson and Mr. Diamond. Found uh, out. No. How are you? Uh, police? Yeah, yeah, they want to ask you a few questions. We got to clear up a few things about George Farmer getting burned to uh, death. Oh, Pop, uh, that's hmm? enough, Pop. I was only trying to help. <laughs> well, certainly, gentlemen. Uh, here, will you take these fish, please, Pop? Fish? Hold the fish. Yes, yeah, sure. I'll be right back. Well, I don't think I could tell you much more than I've already told the police. Did you know George Farmer prior to his death? Oh, yes. Over a period of ten years. Did you identify the body? Well, not at first. It was too badly burned. Not at first? You mean you did identify it later? Well, when they told me that George had a broken wrist, I found the broken section of bone and identified it. Broken wrist? Oh, yes, Mr. Diamond. Uh, you see, when George arrived, his lower arm was in a cast. He told us that he'd broken his wrist the week before. What day did he arrive? Uh, Tuesday of last week. Well, put in a call to Otterson. Have him find out where George Farmer had his broken wrist treated. Most of all, when the accident occurred. Well, what are you getting at, Rick? Then have him find out the date the insurance policy went into effect. Doctor, uh, which wrist was broken? Uh, the right one. And it was in a cast, huh? Mm-hmm. Would you say he could move his fingers well enough to write? Depends on how recent the accident. Step on it, Walt. Okay, but I don't get it. I talked to Otis. He'll get the information. Call us back. Now, would you mind telling me what the devil this is all about? George Farmer had to sign the insurance policy, didn't he? Yeah, but he could have done that with his left hand. An accident policy would cover a broken wrist, wouldn't it? Sure, what? Mr. Phillips, you said Farber was known to be careful with his money. Yes, that's right. No, I can vouch for that. I treated him for a cigarette burn three years ago and had a devil of a time collecting. Thanks, Doctor. Well, so what? So what? So if Otis gives us the answers I want, I think I can show you George Farmer was murdered. Murdered? Yeah. And I think I can explain why an insurance salesman and a doctor were killed. So we all sat around and waited for my hunch to grow muscles. I kept turning the whole thing over in my mind, and the more I thought, the more the whole thing tied together. Around noon, a call came in from Otis, and Walt gave him the information I needed. There it is. George Farmer broke his wrist on the 26th of last month. It was treated at the Olive Hospital. About three weeks ago. He stayed one night at the hospital and went home. What day did he arrive here, Mr. Phillips? Mm, about the 4th. Uh, two weeks after the accident. He died on the 11th, according to the papers. Yes, that's right. He'd been here about a week. When did the insurance policy go into effect, Walt? The 22nd of last month. It went into effect. It wasn't taken out. I said, went into effect. Now, it would cost him a few bucks to have a broken wrist taken care of and spend the night in the hospital, wouldn't it, Doctor? Yes, it would. Remember what the vice president of National Mutual said, Walt? Too bad the first claim on an accident policy had to be death? Yeah. Well, if Farmer had an accident policy, why didn't he put in a claim for his broken wrist? Come on, Walt. We're going back to town and talk to Mrs. Farmer. <laughs> You got your men spotted around the building? Whole block surrounded. Peterson and Evers are covering the front. Cars in every corner. Is Otis going to play? Well, there's been some complaints about noisy cats in the neighborhood, so I stuck Otis and back in the alley. He'll drive every cat right into the river. You might have made a mistake. 
One yell out of Otis, and he'll end up with all the shoes in the block. Yeah, here it is. Yes? Oh. Uh, mind if we come in, Mrs. Farmer? No, I guess not. Well, what is it this time, Lieutenant? We think your husband was murdered. Well, that's ridiculous. I mean, no, you didn't do it, but you ran on it. You know who did. Are you serious? Very. We just had the lab make a check on the insurance policy. The signature and the fingerprints were from the right hand. Well, of course they were. So your husband didn't have a broken wrist at the time? Well, no, he, he did that sometime later. And you'll swear that it's his signature on the policy? Certainly. I went to the doctor with him. I thought you said you didn't know a Dr. Evans. Well, I don't. He was the insurance doctor. Well, I'd, I'd never seen him before or since. How could you expect me Your to remember Your husband the... didn't turn in a claim for his broken wrist. He didn't? Well, that was his business, wasn't it? Don't you think it's rather strange to take out an accident policy and not turn in a claim on your first accident? I don't know. I didn't bother with my husband's affairs. Is this your husband's driver's license? Where did you get that? Motor vehicle department. Is it your husband's license? Yes, I guess so. The signature on this license is not the same as the one on the insurance policy. What do you mean? He means that the signature on the insurance policy is a very clever forgery. Who forged it, Mrs. Farmer? I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Who went to that doctor's office representing your husband? No one. Why in the world would I do that? Why would I have someone represent my husband? Probably because you wanted your husband out of the way. That's horrible. Get out of here. That's not true. Who was in on it with you? Who killed your husband up at his cabin at the lodge? Get out. Get out. It had to be someone at the lodge who knew what cabin he was in. No, 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 no. Did you get the papers your husband's picture? Yes. You're lying. The newspapers told us you claimed not to have a picture. Well, I, I, I don't remember. I don't remember. Oh, sure you do. You didn't want to give the papers a picture of your husband because you knew the insurance salesman and the doctor would identify it as not being the man who took out the accident oh, policy. no. You knew your husband was going to take his trip, so you planned his death and stayed home for an alibi. The picture came out, and the insurance man and the doctor had to be killed. A man killed them, Mrs. Farmer. Someone strong enough to run a car off the road and lift an unconscious man out of a window, feet first. Who killed them, Mrs. Farmer? Hey, you, stop! Stop! Lieutenant! Otis has got something. Well, let's get out on the fire escape. Stop, or I'll shoot! There's a new line. Somebody halfway up the fire escape. Look out, Otis! Move over a wall. Otis is going to hit a herd of elephants in the broom closet. Uh, uh, I got him, Lieutenant. He got him. No, make him happy, Wall. Climb out there and see what we got. Okay. Oh. Now, just take it easy, honey. Frank! Yeah? That guy Phillips. The one who owned the lodge. And he's dead. Oh. Well, Mrs. Farmer, that's it. Want to tell me about it? Oh, yes. It doesn't make any difference now. Phillips killed your husband and the other two men? Yes. We fell in love three summers ago. But he planted the whole thing was his idea. Oh, sure, sure, I know. But the state is pretty narrow-minded about those things, honey. <laughs> Guy like that gets ideas and gets dead for it. You like his ideas, and you just got to get in some kind of trouble along the way. Go on, Melonhead. I'm in. You're not hurt that bad. I guess. Oh. You get shot, Otis? No. But I'd like to ask you something, Shamus. Did you throw a show at me? Again, here's your Rexall family druggist. Whenever you're suffering the pain of a headache, remember, there's no faster-acting aspirin made than Rexall aspirin. 
When swallowed with water, the five full grains of pure aspirin in every Rexall tablet are ready to go to work for you even before they reach your stomach. Ask for Rexall aspirin at Rexall drugstores everywhere. There's no faster-acting aspirin made. And remember, you can depend on any drug product that bears the name Rexall. Good health to all from Rexall. Richard Diamond, Private Detective, stars Dick Powell in the title role and is written by Blake Edwards, with music composed and conducted by Frank Worth. Featured in tonight's cast were Virginia Gregg, Ted DeCorsia, Wilms Herbert, Wally Mayer, Joan Banks, and Bill Boucher. Richard Diamond, Private Detective, is transcribed in Hollywood by Jaime de Valle. This is Bill Foreman inviting you to be with us next Wednesday at this time when we will again bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Hiya, beautiful. Get lost, Bristlepuss. You need a shave. But I have shaved. What else do you want me to do? Silly boy, she wants you to go stag. Go Stag? But why? Because Stag is Rexall's exclusive line of men's good grooming aids, like Stag Brushless Shave Cream. No fuss, no massage, just smooth it on, and presto, you get a clean, close shave. Your face stays smooth and whiskerless all day long. I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll go Stag. That's it. Join the Stag line now at Rexall drugstores everywhere. Yes, to make girls care, go Stag. Wednesdays this fall, hear Groucho, Gildy, and the Halls of Ivy on NBC. Hi, this is Andrew from otrwesterns.com. I wanted to invite you to come take a look at our site where we put out podcasts of old-time radio westerns. Check us out at otrwesterns.com. You're listening to The Great Detectives of Old-Time Radio with Adam Graham. Now let's get back into the show. Welcome back. Well, an unusually serious uh, Richard Diamond. Very minimal on any sort of laughs. This script would actually be adapted as a yours truly Johnny Dollar script with Edmund O'Brien starred. Uh, this program uh, was adapted as the George Farmer Matter, which aired March or June the 9th, excuse me, of 1951, and used many of the same plot details, only making uh, changes, such as the doctor calling up Diamond was obviously not part of the plot, and no doctor called up uh, Johnny Dollar under Edmund O'Brien. And uh, Johnny Dollar was one of those that adapted a lot of scripts from other materials, and this was just one of them. 
Now we turn to listener comments and uh, feedback. And I have an email from Mr. Kelly who writes in, I've just discovered your site on YouTube. I'm a longtime fan of old time radio. I really appreciate how you take the time to do an introduction to the programs you post. I look forward to becoming a loyal listener and supporter of your site. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate your comment, Kelly. And uh, this is the first actual email we've received from someone who found us on YouTube. And hopefully it won't be the last. Uh, We have, at the time of this recording, 1,550 episodes posted on YouTube. I expect we'll be up to about 1,700 or so by the time that this uh, is uh, released. So check that all out, youtube.greatdetectives.net. Uh, Join us back here tomorrow for Boston Blackie. And uh, next Wednesday, we'll be back with another episode of Richard Diamond. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.